The Alt Fantasy Sports Podcast on the Sports Gambling Podcast Network is brought to you by the SGPN Merch Store. Use promo code SGPNBA to get 10% off everything in the SGPN Store. of Adam Pelletier, our normal host, and we are back. I am your host tonight. You're stuck with me. Couldn't get scheduling worked out. And uh, yeah, this is Justin Mark. You can find me on Twitter at jmarkfootball. You've seen me before. You've heard me before. If you've listened to Alt Fantasy Sports Podcast, we're done with USFL Week 1. Week 1 has come and gone, and woo! It had some surprises, in my opinion. We had some great games, some great showings, but we had a lot of surprises too, didn't we? We had a lot of surprises. So now you're looking at your USFL fantasy football team and you're thinking, what do I do? My team did terrible. I know I know for a fact one of my teams did poor. One of mine did bad. You know, I actually think the only reason Adam didn't uh, show up tonight for this is because my wife, I find her on Twitter at jmarkswifey, uh, co-host of Old Fashioned Football with me. She beat Adam in the league that she's in with us. And so I think that's why he didn't want to show up. That's my guess. Cannot be confirmed nor denied, but that's just what I'm throwing out there. Real quick before I touch on the USFL, I, I realize the XFL is still going on. We're getting ready to go into week 10, which probably means it's championship week. Probably means you, uh, you're either... On the outside, just uh, wishing you were in that championship or you're in the ship. So if you made it, congratulations. Uh, if you did not, better luck, better, woo, better luck next year. Can't talk, apparently, but you all knew what I was saying anyways, I bet. Uh, that That's going to be a, uh, I would say, start your Battlehawks players, start your Sea Dragons players. Both those teams really need to win. And the Battlehawks need to score more points. Because of the tiebreakers, the Battlehawks need to score more. So that's going to be really interesting. A lot more, too. They need to beat Orlando by 19 more points than Seattle beats Vegas. If Seattle even beats Vegas. Who knows? But anyways, it was an interesting... Uh, just to recap that real quick, Houston beat Vegas 28-21 to and they did not look good, though. Jalen McClendon still looks to be good for Vegas. Brandon Silvers does not. So uh, I would be scared if you have to start Brandon Silvers or any of those wide receivers. Then Orlando at San Antonio. San Antonio won 25-23. Dormady Magic wore off. They were throwing Francois in there, which didn't make any sense to me. But running back Devin Darrington had a nice game. He played well. And uh, Jacques Patrick. Also played very well for the Brahmas. Renegades at D.C. went into overtime. D.C. wins 28-26. Luis Perez has looked very, very good. He has looked good for the Renegades. So if you have him, 
I would start him with confidence. I really would. For D.C., I'm a little worried. They have nothing to play for, nothing at all to play for. Houston doesn't either, I reckon. Um, Houston plays the uh, the Renegades. Sorry, Houston plays the Renegades, but if they beat the Renegades, then the Brahmas win. Then Houston has to play Brahmas, which I think is less of a challenge. So you would think they would want to beat the Renegades, but D.C. has nothing to play for when they play against the Brahmas. So I'm worried. Do they sit their players? Are they going to sit Jordan Tamu? Are they going to sit Abram Smith? I would be a little bit cautious, but they did win 28-26 to wrap up that home field. And then Seattle at St. Louis. Seattle won 30-12. to Wow, what a beatdown. McCarron doesn't look healthy. You know, he missed two weeks ago. But this last week against Seattle, he did not look healthy. I think he bounces back. I do think he's going to bounce back. Um, Danucci continues to be just this up-and-down quarterback where he looks, some of the times he looks like the best quarterback in the XFL. Other times he is throwing it to the other team way too often. I don't even know what to make of that. But, yeah, it's going to be interesting in your championship matchups. You got Orlando at St. Louis. Again, like I said, I would start all my St. Louis players DC at San Antonio, that one worries me. DC has nothing to play for, nothing at all. Houston at Arlington, that's going to be interesting. Arlington has to win, um, especially if San Antonio beats the Brahmas. Now, DC could beat the Brahmas, and then this Houston at Arlington game means nothing because they're guaranteed to play each other the next week in the playoffs. So if it means nothing, I'd be worried that it would look pretty vanilla and you're not going to have a lot of scoring because teams are just going to go through the motions, hope to get through it healthy. Our last game, of course, Vipers at Seattle. Another really interesting one. If St. Louis wins, especially if St. Louis wins by a good margin, Seattle's going to have to pour it on um, and Seattle's going to have to win either way. If St. Louis wins, Seattle has to win. So that'll be interesting because Vegas, they've looked good. Since Jalen McClendon has taken over, they have looked good, been interesting. But anyways, before we continue, before I talk about USFL, I want to let you know that we are brought to you by Underdog Fantasy. The NBA and NHL playoffs are here. And what better way to get down on some player prop parlays than over at Underdog Fantasy? Besides daily NHL, NBA, and MLB games, they've also already got NFL best ball drafts with a guaranteed half million in prizes. Head over to underdogfantasy.com and use promo code SGPN for a 100% deposit bonus up to $100. That's underdogfantasy.com, promo code SGPN. Okay, let's get into these, uh, these USFL games a little bit, talk about some of the players that stood out, some of them surprised a little bit. And we're going to start with the the first game, which was the Stars against the Showboats. Stars won 27-23. We'll start with the Stars, the winners. They they look like they picked up right where they left off, right? Cookus went 20 for 29, 212 yards, three touchdowns. He looks solid. If you have Case Cookus, you're happy. Um, if you don't have him, you're not happy, and you're looking to figure out, can I trade for him? I doubt you can get him, um, but maybe you can. I don't know. The disappointing thing here was the running game, though. Cookus led the team in rushing with 31 yards. Matt Colburn right behind him, 5 for 30. A good average, just they only ran him five times. Chris Rowland, the wide receiver, also got three carries for 22 yards. And Williams, nine carries for 11 yards and a touchdown. That was pretty interesting. 
pretty interesting to me. In the receiving game, it was the Devin Gray show. Seven receptions on nine targets, 77 yards, and a touchdown. Corey Coleman looked good, too. He had four receptions on four targets for 65 yards. Chris Rowland, three for four for 31 yards and a touchdown. Matt Colburn salvaged his day having two catches for 14 yards but a touchdown. Tight end Pro Wells, just one catch, 10 yards. Jordan Sewell, guy that we thought was going to do well, one catch, nine yards. DeAndre Overton, one catch, three yards. So disappointing from those guys, especially Jordan Sewell, who went high. If Corey Coleman is out there, grab him. This is a guy that used to be in the NFL. I'm sure he got drafted because people do recognize the name. But if he didn't, go out and grab him. He's a he's a talented guy, and it looks like he's already getting some some rapport with Cookus going on. Moving over to the the showboats, they played better than I expected. You know, this was not the same Tampa Bay Bandits team. The people that have not been paying attention. Memphis Showboats may be back, but this is the team that basically just came from Tampa Bay. They were the Tampa Bay Bandits last year. Now, Sans Jordan Tayamu, we saw Brady White get the start, and he went 16 for 29 for 182, two touchdowns and an interception. Cole Kelly got in there a little bit, but only two for five, 16 yards. If you listen to me preseason, you know I'm very high on Cole Kelly. I actually think he ends up taking this job. I know he didn't look good, but um, neither did Brady White. Brady White had 55.2% completion percentage through that interception. So, yeah, I would keep an eye on that. The guy that did look good, guy we kind of expected would, Alex Collins, 14 carries, 63 yards, and a touchdown. This is a guy that did very well for the Ravens for a year, but we all know the Ravens kind of just – move their running backs in and out, who's starting this year, somebody in the next year. So definitely interesting there. you got to keep an eye on that. Nothing really stood out in the receiving game except Rashard Davis did have a 43-yard catch. Um, He had two receptions on only three targets, but for 75 yards and a touchdown. So if something stood out, it was that. And I guess McDaniel did all right, four catches on six six targets, sorry, 44 yards and a touchdown. Alex Collins is the guy to have on this team. Alex Collins, not only did he run for 63 yards and a touchdown, he was targeted nine times. He caught five of those for 25 yards. That is piling up points for you. So he's the guy you want to get, no doubt, on the showboats. Moving on to the next game, we got the New Jersey Generals against the Birmingham Stallions. Man, this was disappointing for Generals fans as the Stallion or yeah, the Stallions won 27 to 10. Looking at these generals, DeAndre Johnson did not look good. Now, Adam and I both thought he was going to be one of the top guys, and he he did not look good. Four for 13, 29 yards, 30.8 completion percentage, only 2.2 yards per attempt. That's not good. And he added 45 yards on the ground, but one carry was 29 yards of that, so only 16 yards on his other six carries. Not the DeAndre Johnson we are used to seeing however that one long run for 29 yards he trucked that safety probably one of the most exciting things I've seen in football for a while instead it was Dakota Prukup who got most of the the passing time he went 13 for 17 148 yards so not bad 76.5 completion percentage 8.7 yards per attempt if he keeps playing like that he's going to be their starter uh, it's unfortunate because I really like DeAndre Johnson. He's very talented, but we're going to have another situation where it looks like he's going to be sharing 
the target or not the target shares, the quarterback snaps with another quarterback, just like last year when he did that with Luis Perez. So that's disappointing. Darius Victor, eight carries, 89 yards, 11.1 average. Why are they not running him more? I mean, if you're averaging 11.1 yards per carry, yeah, his long was 48. I get that, but he still was moving the ball well. You should be feeding him the ball a lot more. Then in the receiving game, Cam Eccles Looper kind of uh, filling in for Cavante Turpin's role. Five receptions on eight targets, 54 yards. That's a guy I did not see get drafted in a lot of leagues. Go out and get him if you can. It looks like he's going to kind of slot into that Cavante Turpin type role and uh, have some success. I thought he was going to have success last year. He did not, but maybe this year. Braden Bowman targeted six times, caught three of those for 40 yards. Pretty good for a tight end. You don't have a lot of tight ends standing out, especially when Bug Howard sits out. And then the only other thing to, uh, I guess the only other two here to talk about, Randy Satterfield, who was a darling in week one last year and then kind of fell off the face of the earth. He had four targets, caught three of those for 34 yards. Alonzo Moore also had four targets, three catches for 19 yards. Everybody else was a uh, reception or less. Let's switch over to the Stallions, who this is this is the thing about spring football. This is why I think, you know, this is one of the reasons that Adam said quarterbacks aren't all that important, right? Because we have so many teams that give multiple guys chances. This is the fourth team we're talking about. Only one of those teams used one quarterback, and that was the Stars using Case Cookus. Everybody else split. So Jamar Smith. 10 of 15, 66.7 completion percentage, 160 yards, one touchdown, one interception. Alex Magoo, 7 for 11, 63.6 completion percentage, 68 yards, and a touchdown. Magoo also ran for 51 yards six on six carries and a touchdown. So Magoo actually had a better day. Um, I, I realize it's Magoo, but I like calling him Magoo. Um, sorry, that's just that's something I've always done, the Magoo. Anyways, he had a better day fantasy-wise, so that's something to closely monitor. The biggest surprise here, the biggest thing I'm a little worried about, Bo Scarborough, two carries for negative one yards. Only two carries. I don't understand that. C.J. Marable, nine carries for 24 yards. So it's not like he did well carrying the ball, but he got to carry it nine times at least, where Bo Scarborough only had two carries if we look at the receiving game, hello, welcome to the USFL, Jay Sternberger. Five targets, five receptions, 62 yards, and a touchdown. Really good day from him. Everybody else, pretty mediocre, really. I mean, nothing. We had Watkins had one reception for 61 yards and a touchdown. So kind of a fluky thing, maybe. Maybe he's going to have some big games but or some big plays, but not something you can rely on. So Jay Sternberger, I'm sure he was drafted because he's an NFL talent, you know, played for the Packers. But if he's out there, get him. Or maybe you got a lot of running backs. In most of these leagues, you're only starting two running backs at the most, whether it be a two running back spot or one running back in your flex. You got two running backs. So if you have more than two running backs that are performing well, think about trading one for Jay Sternberger. Bo Scarborough is also somebody I would – I would look for in a trade. I wouldn't hit the panic button. He was one of the most talented rushers in the league last year. I think he's going to bounce back and be just fine. I'm not worried about it at 
all. So that might be somebody to target for a trade. People might be like, well, Bo didn't do too well, and so I'm not too happy about him. Well, give him to me then, and I'll give you, I don't know, whoever. Before we get to the last two games, I just want to let you know we're brought to you by the SGPN Merch Store. In honor of the NBA playoffs, from now until the end of April, get 10% off anything in the SGPN Merch Store when you use promo code SGPNBA. So head over to store.sportsgamblingpodcast.com, use the promo code SGPNBA to get 10% off everything. I think you can go to sg.pn slash store as well. Everything there is so good. Like, um, I have sweatshirts from there. And they're so soft. Uh, my wife loves the sweatshirts because they're so soft. The t-shirts are soft. So shameless plug for my other show, Old Fashioned Football, Fantasy Football and Whiskey. Go get yourself an Old Fashioned Football t-shirt. Our logos are awesome if I do say so myself, which I just did. You heard me say it. All right, back to these games. The Michigan Panthers... Looked good. I can't believe I'm saying that. But the Michigan Panthers looked good. And Josh Love, yes, the same Josh Love last year who was on the Maulers and looked terrible and then was on the Panthers and looked terrible. Same guy broke a record for passing completion percentage. 18 for 20, 90%, 215 yards and three touchdowns. That's probably the most accurate spring football performance we have ever seen. And it came from Josh Love. Oh, I don't even know what to say to that. I really don't. And then Carson Strong comes in. He's 5 for 5 for 34 yards, so he's not moving the ball as much, but still efficient. This Panthers team may be a very efficient team. If you're a Stars fan like I am, I'm worried. Because honestly, this team looked good. And then in the run game, Stevie Scott, 12 carries for 61 yards and a touchdown. Reggie Corbin was supposed to be the guy. He had nine carries for 29 yards, so a 3.2 average. Stevie Scott's 5.1-yard average and touchdown and 30, what, nine more yards? That's not 39. Math is hard. 32 more yards. 32 more yards. Ah, I couldn't believe it. I was a little surprised at that. I was high on Reggie Corbin. Not as much on Stevie Scott. I feel like last year this was flipped. And then in the receiving game, we, I mean, we saw a couple guys, Joe Walker, six receptions on seven targets, 105 yards and a touchdown. Ishmael Hyman, five receptions on five targets, 32 yards. Um, then some other guys got involved. You know, Quinn had a touchdown, three targets, three receptions, 32 yards. Marcus Baugh, two receptions on three targets, 28 yards and a touchdown. Definitely take a look at those two guys if they are available. And this defense looked good. Michigan's defense looked good. This was an interesting game to me. And then we flipped to the other side, the Houston Gamblers. And I have concerns about the Houston Gamblers. Now, they didn't have who I think is their best offensive player, Mark Thompson. He was a scratch, okay? They didn't have him. Maybe that'll change things. But Kenji Bahar, I I don't know why they're rolling him out, to be honest. I, I He lacks the it factor, in my opinion. 13 for 22 59.1% completion, 109 yards, so only five yards a attempt, and two interceptions. Did not look good. Um, if I'm you and I have extra space, maybe you're in a league that has deep benches, I'd go check out Montel Cozart. If you got the space for it, I think Cozart takes over. 
He was good at Boise State. I think he's going to take this team over. Looking at their run game, I mentioned that Mark Thompson was gone. TJ Pledger, 16 carries for 41 yards and two touchdowns. That was their offense, really. 41 yards, two touchdowns. Dave Wawaley also had seven carries for 30 yards. Bahar ran it twice for 16. Nobody on this team had more than two receptions. Peterson, Hall, Redding, Ratliff, Williams, Pledger all had two receptions. And Pledger, TJ Pledger, the only one that had more than three targets. He had five. Tio Redding, I expected more out of him. Only two catches for 18 yards. This was this was a bad performance. If you have Houston players, I do think it's time to panic. I do think they are going to be the bottom of the barrel team this year. Tell you who's not going to be bottom of the barrel this year, in my opinion. That's the Pittsburgh Maulers. Now I know they lost to the Breakers 15 to 22, but I really think the Maulers played well on defense. They just need to get this offense figured out. So they really need to figure out who's going to be starting. James Morgan, he went 6 for 15. That's a 40% completion, 58 yards, 0 for 0 for touchdowns, interceptions. Williams, 4 for 12, 23 yards. Just bad. Bad performances from these quarterbacks. And then, you know, this is the team that has Garrett Groshek and Madre London. And we see them combine 14 carries for 38 yards. 14 carries for 38 yards. Really bad. Really, really bad. And it doesn't get much better in the receiving game. Trey Walker had seven targets, but only three receptions for 42 yards. Bailey Gaither, guy that I thought was going to have a really good game, seven or seven targets, but only three receptions for 25 yards. And then Artavius Lynn, five receptions, or four, sorry, excuse me, five targets, four receptions, but only 14 yards. So just kind of dumping it off to him. If you have Pittsburgh players on offense, maybe be a little worried. I still think they turn it around. I do think James Morgan gets a little more comfortable back there. On offense, you know, players, Bailey Gaither, somebody's going to be down on him, grab him now. He's a really good player. And it looks like their tight end, Artavius Lynn, is going to be involved in this game. So are in this offense. Definitely look at him. Isaiah Henning had four targets, but zero receptions. You hate to see that. So this is going to be a team that you're kind of on wait and see mode. But who wasn't in wait and see mode was McLeod Bethel Thompson. Former CFL Grey Cup trophy winner, Toronto Argonaut does not. It's interesting. He was, he just won the Grey Cup last year with the Toronto Argos. Now, and I get it, he says he came here because of his family. Well, he got cut from the Argos before that, but that he didn't get cut. They didn't re-sign him. But anyways, he's in the USFL quarterback in the Breakers now. And former Philadelphia star Brian Scott. We all know my love for Brian Scott. He's quarterback in the Toronto Argonauts. So that's pretty interesting to me. McLeod Bethel-Thompson, he didn't look great until the end. I feel like the first oh, I'm trying to think here, back 28 minutes maybe, 27 28 minutes, first 27 28 minutes. It was right around the 2 minute warning of that first half that he really kind of looked a little more comfortable, a little more fluid. And then of course he really his his experience, I guess, really is what got them down the stretch. He went 23 for 41, so only a 56.1 completion percentage, but 
In throwing the ball 41 times, he got 302 yards and a touchdown. Running back Anthony Jones, we thought he was going to be the guy because they got rid of their guys from last year, and Anthony Jones was kind of who had taken over. He he was the guy. 19 carries, 46 yards. No other running back carried the ball. That's important. That's important. I know it was only a 2.4 average, but it's important that he's the only one getting the carries right now. Definitely keep your eye on that if somebody wants to trade. McLeod Bethel-Thompson also ran at four for 16 yards. His long was 12. McLeod Bethel-Thompson was not somebody known for his rushing abilities in the CFL. Receiving game. Look, I loved this guy last year, and I didn't think he reached his potential. This year, looks like he might get there. Nine targets, five receptions, 85 yards. He could be the best tight end in this league, Sage Surratt. This is a guy who I think in nine games at Wake Forest went over 1,000 yards. He's got incredible abilities receiving the ball. And this is a kind of a tight end league that where there's, I mean, it's a league where there's not a lot of good tight ends. Buck Howard didn't play, so Sage Surratt was the best tight end this weekend. There are other big names there. John, sorry, he's not Jonathan Adams anymore. He is Jay Adams. He wants to be called Jay. He had six targets, five receptions, 70 yards. Johnny Dixon, 11 targets, 11 targets, only three receptions for 44 yards. So that's interesting. Definitely something to keep your eye on. And then Anthony Jones, eight targets, six receptions, 29 yards, and a touchdown. So taken away from that, I think Dixon, obviously, is leading the target share, but Sage Surratt, he's a go-to guy. Nine targets, five receptions, 17-yard average per catch. They cannot cover this guy. They're going to have to really scheme to cover this guy. But if you scheme to cover this guy, you're going to leave Johnny Dixon or Jay Adams open. I'm not a huge McLeod Bethel-Thompson believer, but when he's got these three guys to throw to, (laughs) forget about it. Pick him up. Pick him up. If he's not been drafted, pick him up. Uh, make sure you're starting these breaker players. This is this is going to be interesting to watch. Just a quick brief look ahead to next week. We've got the Houston Gamblers at the New Orleans Breakers. Well, I guess it says at, but they're playing in Birmingham, so it's not like they're playing in New Orleans. But anyways, Houston and New Orleans, start your New Orleans players. Houston's a mess. Start New Orleans defense if you're starting a defense. Memphis and Birmingham, this is going to be interesting. Um, I just got done saying that Birmingham or Memphis looked better than I expected, but Birmingham, they look like the same championship team, right? So Memphis looking at 0-2 to start the year, that's rough. That's just how it's dealt. And then the New Jersey Generals and the Pittsburgh Maulers, that's an interesting one. One of these teams is going to start 0-2. Everybody expected it to be Pittsburgh. I think New Orleans or New Jersey bounces back just fine. I think they win. And then what I think is the game of the week at the Tom Benson Hall of Fame Stadium. I've seen the Stars play there before during the the playoffs last year in Canton, Ohio. Michigan Panthers and the Philadelphia Stars. One of them will go on to be undefeated. One of them looking at one and one. Michigan looked good. They looked good. Can Josh Love keep that going, or was it just that opening game plan and now teams will figure him out? We will see this week. Good luck in week two of your fantasy football. It's not too early to start trading. It's not too early to uh, shake things up with the waiver wires. 
But I also would say, do not panic yet. Do not panic. You will be all right. My name is Justin Mark. You can find me on Twitter at jmarkfootball. This is the All Fantasy Football Podcast. We will be back with our original host, I imagine, Adam, and myself next week. Until then, good luck in your fantasy matchups. Good luck in anything else as far as betting or whatever. Good luck to the XFL. We're almost to the playoffs. Another spring football season that made it all the way through. That is excellent news. And the USFL just getting underway. It's exciting times, folks. Until next time, we're out of here.